Welcome, everybody. U.S. Grace Forest Podcast here. I'm Doug Berry, along with my very good friend, Father Richard Heilman. We have a great guest tonight. We've been looking forward to getting this, this amazing priest on, Father Mark Goring. And Father Mark and I met many, many years ago down in Corpus Christi at a conference, and we just been lightly in contact over the few last few years, but we finally got him on the podcast. We're thrilled about that. But before we get going with anything, of course, we want to turn everything over to prayer. So, Father, I'll let you, since you are filled with grace right now, <laughs> I'll let you lead This is my Gracie. She's getting so big. All right, let's begin in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, she wants to get down. Okay. <laughs> she looks good since she got back from the... Uh... The, uh, what, the beauty what, parlor. Beauty parlor. That's it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, real quick, everybody, again, we want to thank you very much for joining us with the podcast. And we want to thank everybody out there who prays for it, supports us. In particular, we want to thank, you know, really just all those who comment, great comments we get in the comment section. We try to get back to as many as we can. And to you patrons out there, God bless you. We really hope that you're enjoying the rewards that you're getting and your support is amazing. God bless you. Can't thank you enough for that. Uh, also, we have some great gear. We want to encourage people. Father Hamill and I, one thing we really want to do, we want to encourage everybody, especially right now, and we know Father Mark Goring feels the same way, stand strong, speak clearly from the rooftops, from the rooftops, as our Lord says, proclaim the truth. So be strong, be clear, be bold, be courageous, be prayerful. Check out our gear page. Some of our favorite t-shirt designs are down below here. You can check that out. And uh, just there's some great gear out there. Just go check it out. Help support what we do here as well. Uh, and you know what? We've got a, just a fantastic uh, topic we're going to hear tonight. And Father, I know you're going to take it from here and open this up because this is something you have been working on for quite a while with a couple other priests. And I just think just great information, great announcement. It's finally come together. And tonight we get to really unpack it more in detail. Yeah, so uh, I am very excited. Uh, listen, uh, I'll back up and tell you how this all transpired. But last July 2nd, um, Father Bill Peckman texts me and he says, I got an idea. I was just on retreat and it came to me. I says, if you got it on retreat, it must be from God. <laughs> so he tells me the idea and it's this 40 days. Uh, it's it, it, the, the, the title of the whole thing is called Let Freedom Ring, uh, 40 Day tra Tactical Training for Freedom from the Devil. And what it was, was uh, him and I, I, I uh, immediately said, we got to get Father Altman involved in this. So Father James Altman joined us and that was on July 2nd. We announced it on July 4th, you know, let freedom ring, that we were going to do 40 days starting July 7th. Over 75,000 people joined us. And I, I think it was because everybody felt th this is exactly what we need to do. And what is it? Every day we take another way in which the devil is influencing all of us, primarily our own personal lives, but also in the culture of families everywhere. What is the devil up to today, in other words? And so we were, in essence, calling the devil out, naming what the devil, the tactics of the devil is right now with these uh, reflections that us three priests rotated each, each, um, each uh, uh, day that we did the 40 days. We also, and again, Father Bill Peckman, this is so inspired. He put together this amazing plan, and it, it was a, a, a series of prayers, and some of them are called exorcism prayers. You know, we ask... God to cast out the devil, but also um, 
We did litanies of uh, different, all different kinds of litany. Every day you did a different litany. And also he put together ways in which we could be physically prepared as well. And the, the comments that we got from this, and I, we were get, getting this book ready and I was rereading it again to just do some final edits and stuff. And it is really good. I was trying to keep up with these guys, but it is really, really good. Um, it's called Let Freedom Ring. Uh, uh, let me get the exact uh, title here. I got it right here in front of me. It's called Let Freedom Ring, a 40-day tactical training for freedom from the devil. I think we're putting up an image right now of what the book looks like. Uh, but what's happening is, is we're going to have uh, Father Altman and Father Peckman and myself with Doug next week on the show. And, uh, and what we really want to do is to get people, you know, get the book, but you, you don't even have to get the book because if you're on my email list, I'll give you each day the reflection and everything you need to do uh, in the email. But we want to get everybody ready for Lent. And that's what we, and we decided to, and we're so excited to have Father Mark Goring on. I've been watching him for years and he's just so profound. And I, we wanted to get his insights into kind of what the devil's up to and how, what can we do? You know, to be free from the devil. That's the, the title of our podcast tonight, Freedom from the Devil. And so we invited Father Mark Goring to come on and give his perspective on it. But I think everybody's feeling oppressed right now. You know, it's just oppression. And there's this tyranny. Uh, you know, the, the radical left is, is feeling like it's their time and they just have license uh, to be uh, tyrannical, uh, to take away all of our freedoms every way and to... Um, to the, the, it's called the cancel culture or the chilling effect. And we talk about all those things in the book as well, but, but to just make us sit down and shut up. And, and instead of following the gospel of Jesus Christ to follow the gospel of the world. And so this is coming in, in, in almost a violent fashion right now. And uh, again, a lot of people are concerned and they want to know, they want to know what can we do? That's the question. What can we do? At one time or another in our lives, we are all confronted with a crisis. But in the face of any crisis, hope is found with a plan of action. The Battle Ready Preparedness course is that plan of action. In this course, we will teach you the five most critical things that you need to have ready. Shelter, water, food, defense, and medical. There's a lot of uncertainty in our world today, and there's nothing more important than that plan of action that brings hope and safety. Not just for ourselves, but for our loved ones. Sign up for the Battle Ready Emergency Preparedness Course now. Don't do it just for yourself. Do it for those that have been entrusted to your care. And, you know, probably what better person to bring on than Father Mark Goring. He's got a, an amazing YouTube channel. Uh, maybe you could tell us more about how many years you've been doing it. It seems like forever, Father Mark. Uh, but it, it's awesome. It's awesome. You, Look Father Mark Goring up if you haven't yet on YouTube. Uh, he's got amazing reflections. He's had some unbelievable guests on uh, recently. And, um, and it's, just, it's just really, uh, really good. So Father Mark, how many years has it been that you've been doing that? Right. Yeah, well, I've, uh, I started making YouTube videos maybe, maybe six or seven years ago. Uh, I was eating breakfast one morning and I, and I was in front of my computer and I thought it'd be nice to have a nice little shot of inspiration, you know, something, <laughs> something from scripture. That's just, you know, and they are short too. Yeah. 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 I try to keep them short. I couldn't find I that. that. I couldn't find what I was looking for. And I just took it. Like I really, 
I was frustrated. I, I thought like, there's gotta be something like this out there. Just a little shot of biblical exhortation, something to encourage me. And I, I couldn't find what I was looking for. And I kind of treated it like a calling. It's like, well, maybe I'll try doing it. And I've been doing that ever since. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so Father Mark, uh, our topic is uh, freedom from the devil. And I, I think, you know, we were talking a little bit before we started too, and I know you know this, but uh, the, the devil seems very active today. You know, what do you think is going on? What, what, uh, what is the devil up to right now, you think? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, guess, I, I guess what's, you know, most important is, you know, what, what is God doing and right. God sanctifying us and part of sanctifying us is trying us, testing us, exactly. Even tempt, like allowing, allowing temptation, tr temptation and trial, and uh, you know, it, pretty much the same thing. And so, I mean, it, I think every mature Christian should know that he's in a wonderful daily battle. And you know, one of the things I think is a beautiful thing is when a Christian at the end of the day feels beaten up from battle because that's a sign that you actually fought. Yep. You know, if, if at the end of the day you come, you, you, you go to your examination of conscience at the end of the day, feeling like you busted your butt right. fighting temptation, fighting your fallen nature, trying to, to be a loving, virtuous person. Like that's a, that's a beautiful feeling, and, and, and I know it's, it's very pleasing to the Lord, but because we're, you know, we're, we're created in the image of the likeness of God, and we have reason, we have intellect, part of battle is knowing the tactics of the enemy, and, and, yes. and not, just, not just going into to, to battle kind of foolishly. Like, and, and so that's why, like, when, you were, when you were describing your book earlier, I thought, what an awesome book you know to break it down in 40 um, it's like doing intel you, you know they they call it intel where where you're you're you need to know what your enemy's up to right yeah exactly and i think that's part of the dignity as children of god like there's a basic principle in the old testament slaves never had weapons and they weren't allowed to train. They weren't allowed to organize for battle. That, a slave was immediately, the weapons were taken away. Any ability to organize for battle was taken away. But a child, a free child of the king or, or, or of, the, of, of the, the, the kingdom, what, the dignity of being free was you actually had a weapon, a sword or, or weapons, and you were part of, of, of a, a battalion or, or you were, you were a warrior and we as children of God, we're not supposed to be slaves. Part of our dignity is we are warriors and we are trained for battle and we do fight against the enemy. And with the grace of God, we are victorious. Um, and so, you know, to, to, to learn the principles of spiritual warfare is vital. And so, like I said, you just describing your book and thinking, Oh, what a, what a beautiful thing. Yeah, we, we do. It's, it is the art of spiritual warfare because every day we pick another way in which uh, God has revealed to us. You know, uh, it might even be a sacramental. Uh, one of the things I prescribe early on is adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. You know, mm -hmm. so it's, it's, just, it's just all these ways in which God has revealed to us to, to become 
strong in God's grace and to resist the devil. What do you think, yeah. Doug? Well, I just, something comes to my mind, I know, as you're talking about this, Father, going about, you know, the need for us to, you know, as a child of God, the dignity that we have, and that idea that we want to, at the end of the day, feel like we've really been engaged in the battle. I mean, if you take the analogy when it comes to sports, for example, which is definitely not equal in comparison because sports is a game, we're talking about spiritual battle, which the, you know, eternal salvation or damnation of our soul is what's at stake. But the idea that in sports, if you know any really amazing, excellent coach watches, you know his or her team, and at the end of any practice, even not even just the competition, not even just the game, but even during practice, they're paying attention to every athlete. Because when I was coaching, you know, with my son's baseball, or when I was running little boot camp sessions for the different, you know, youth I do, you know, you're looking at everybody and you're paying attention to who's really leaving it on the field, so to speak. You're looking at really who's committing to the teamwork and playing, you know, really, really paying attention to the plays or, or whatever the situation is. And at the end of it, you want to be able to go over to him and say, yeah, I could tell you put 110% into this. Way to go. Good job. But you can go over to the other one and say, yeah, I saw you put 50% into this. You really need to pick it up and hustle next time or you're not going to play. You know, and this is what you want. You could be the most talented person on the team, but if you don't have the heart that says, I'm going to throw myself into the battle, into the competition – then you don't get it done. And I, you know, there's an analogy, a friend of mine said years ago that, you know, when he says, when I stand before God, when I die, you know, I'm going to present to him my sword. And I don't want the Lord to look at me and take my sword and say, this sword is perfect. It's clean. It's unscathed. It has no, no dents or nicks or no spiritual blood on it. That shows me you didn't fight. You know, I want to present a sword to them that when the Lord looks at it, he says, I can tell this thing has been in battle because you you engaged in this. You owned this battle. And I just think when you said that, Father Mark, about you know, the fact that at the end of the day, every day we want to have that something inside that says, throughout my day, and I thought about this myself, throughout my day, I want to have renounced Satan in the name of Jesus and the precious blood of Jesus, renounce Satan and all his empty works, his empty promises, his attacks, his temptations. I want to be engaging in binding prayers and to the authority that I've been given from God as a husband and father in the right ways. I want to, at the end of the day, have, have, have be able to say that I have been involved in these prayers. I have fasted or mortified somehow today. I've prayed my rosary, my auxiliary Christian norm prayers. At the end of the day, it's like when I work out, I get done lifting weights or running, I want to feel exhausted like I did something. But even more so, like you're saying, Father Mark, with the battle. And, and I think a lot of Christians are, are really, you know, we're used to just being comfortable. You know, I did a, a virtual men's conference. I know we're all doing virtual stuff nowadays, and which kills me because I love personal contact with people, you know. But, you know, hanging out, live events and all. But please, someone call me, book me. I want to come to your event. I'm just, I'm tired of sitting on the sideline with virtual events. But I get your take on this too, both of you gentlemen, if you don't mind. They asked me the question at the end. There were about 50, 60 guys in this event. And they said, when question and answer period came up, Doug, what do you think the most serious thing men are confronted with in today's world? And, you know, I know a lot of people out there would say, well, it's, it's pornography, which is a problem. Or it's greed, which is a problem. Or it's power hungry, which is a problem. But I said, I think the biggest problem that we face, and not just men in general, I think a Christian in general, is, is the, the danger of being too comfortable and being lazy and not wanting to engage in the battle because I don't feel like I need to engage. 
you know, and I think some of this is embodied or you see it indicated when I've asked men all over the country for years, what's your self-defense plan if you've got to protect your wife or your kids? And their answer is, I call 911. Yeah. which I don't think is a problem to call 911, but it's going to take a while for them to show up. You've got to be able to engage immediately because you're the first responder at that moment. But a lot of guys won't and don't because they're, they're, they're not comfortable with it, training for it, or they're, they're just lazy. And I've, I've been there too. I know what that's like. I mean, you know, I just turned 56 and, you know, I've got to make myself go work out and I, I, I don't mind doing it, but sometimes it, it's not my favorite thing to do, but I got to do it because I want to be ready. Same thing that was, I've got to be picking up the rosary and I've got to be praying this rosary every day. And I've got to be praying my auxilium prayers and fasting and getting into confession. You know, I'll say one more thing and then I'll stop talking. I'm on a rant here, gentlemen, get your, your feedback on all this. But I was just talking to a gentleman who's helping me with a book that I'm working on. I've uh, been working on it for like four years. I'm just, I'm not a writer. So God bless, you know, y'all who are writers out there, but he's helping me uh, edit and work on the book. And he's in California. And this was just last Friday. We're talking on the phone, a Zoom call. And uh, he says, it's been since March, since he's last went to confession or mass. March, almost a year in California. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I thought, oh my goodness. And, and, and he's aching over it. And I know a lot of people have, but I would say this too, and not get your take on this too, gentlemen, is I think there are a lot of places where people could go to mass could go to confession, but it's much more uncomfortable these days, much harder. And sometimes you really got to go out of your way to get there. And I think that's a test for us as Christians to do exactly what both of you just said a moment ago. We have to feel like we have engaged in this. We've taken the steps necessary. We've shown God and those around us that I will travel extra distance. I will make extra sacrifices to put in that time to pray, to fast, to get to confession, to go to mass. And I know it's much more challenging these days. I know, Father Mark, you said that right now where you are, your limit is 10 in church for Mass, including the priest. So yes, it's a lot harder, but... You and I know that there are many struggles that we face in our lives. You know that there are battles that have to be fought. And there are many challenges, unprecedented challenges that we are confronted with. You know you need to be battle-ready for both you and your family. You know you need to pray more, sacrifice more, but you don't know how to start. You don't know if you have the support that you need. You know you need to lead your family better and be better prepared. You want a better marriage. You want it rooted in Christ. You want healing. You need healing, but you feel overwhelmed. You want to raise battle-ready children who are firm in the faith and ready to handle whatever the world, the flesh, and the devil attack them with. But the attacks that come from the world, the flesh, and the devil at times can be vicious. The mission of Battle Ready has always been to help you be better prepared for the fight, body, mind, and soul. And to not just survive in the thick of that fight, but to thrive. Join the Battle Ready Coalition. This is an online membership where you will receive on a monthly basis video training, written materials, support, encouragement, teamwork to help you be better prepared for this fight. Click the link to find out more. Get on that wait list now. Join the Battle Ready Coalition, a force to be reckoned. What's your take, both of you fathers, on some of what I've said about that? Are, is, is laziness, you think, one of the things that's really holding us back from doing what you were talking about, Father Mark, engaging in these battles? 
Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because when you, when you asked that question, you said at the end of the conference, they asked what's, the, what's one of the biggest battles men struggle with. And I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes. I like to write down thoughts. So as you were saying that, I wrote the word laziness. It's the mm. first thing that came to me. And um, I, I think a lot of us, we don't realize that every day is supposed to be hard to get through. I, I'm, I'm really convinced of that. I, I think... It's it, it kind of like the, the, the sports analogy again. Any, any of us who, who've done a lot of sports, whether you're on the ice playing hockey, whether you're out for a run, where you, whether you're doing a skate session at the, at the skate park, you feel good when you know you're, you're pushing yourself. You know, like there's something, you feel good inside. Your body might be screaming at you, but inside you know when you're, you're pushing yourself because you know that, that's that's improving your skills and, and it, it, it's it's what's supposed to be happening and i know like sometimes i'll be going through my day and the day will start well and things will be going well and everything's going good and then i'll get hit by something you know it might be again a, a wave of laziness or, or or losing motivation or wanting to turn to to food or 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 there's some temptation or just something that is making me frustrated want to give up and sometimes my thinking is oh great like this isn't supposed to happen. My day was going so good. And I have to remind myself, like this is par for the course. Like this is, this is what a day looks like as a child of God. There's, there's challenges, there's trials, there's, there's temptation, there's, there's difficulties. And when I remind myself of that, it's kind of tell myself, Hey, like, don't be a wimp. You, 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 Tell yourself that you're, you know, whatever, a warrior for the Lord. Um, and when I remind myself of that, it, it helps me to push through those times of resistance during my day. Because I'm really big on living life one day at a time. Like the scripture where the Lord Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. Like I really believe that we're supposed to focus on putting in a good day. And that includes... When the resistance comes, when the trials comes, when the temptation comes, to not get to, to not get mad at that, to not say, "Well, this isn't right. Like this isn't this shouldn't be happening." You know, why am I facing a challenge right now? I, I think we have to kind of snap out of that, and it's like, okay, here it is. Here's here's one of my challenges for the day. Let's give thanks to the Lord for this challenge and push through it. And, and again, it's it, it's a mentality. Um, and, and because our culture is so focused on comfort and, and, you know, being gratification, spoiling ourselves, oftentimes it's like rather than push through, we'll, we'll, we'll reach for the pill bottle or, or the, the, the phone to, to check out whatever, you know, whatever's on YouTube or just something to sedate yeah. the, 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 the battle we're facing. Yeah. yeah. I've always said we medicate or sedate. We medicate or sedate. We we look, we look for the distractions sometimes because we just don't we just don't want to take it sometimes, you know. I think you guys talk. Right. I got to take care of my puppy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, Father Mark, with that, and that's something that that you know. I, I think anybody um, who's ever appreciated the military in the sense of the training that they go through, you know, the Navy SEALs in particular, and you know, I several friends of mine who are ex-military, then special operations, special force guys. You know, and one of the phrases that's very common with the Navy SEALs is the only easy day was yesterday. 
And, you know, and it's that same idea like you're talking about is that we have to have that attitude. And I, I think that's important. I love that you said that that way, because it's important, I think, to just develop the mindset that as a Christian, as a soldier of Christ, as a warrior in this spiritual battle that we're in, I need to expect these things. And I want to have the attitude that if things get rough, I want to look at that as, hey, it's an opportunity to train. It's an opportunity to, to really continue to hone the skills. I think of, uh, you know, one of my favorites, and this has been on my mind a lot lately, is, is David and the whole David and Goliath battle. And I, you know, Father Heilman, I've been using the term David up, you know, periodically. And the idea of David up is let's be men who will stand in the gap, confront the evil, however it's manifest in whatever way it's coming, whatever way God allows it in our lives. But let's confront it with complete trust in God first and entirely. But also God gave David gifts and skills how to fight, and he honed those skills. He was responsible for training himself up with a sling. You don't just pick up a rock, fire a sling the first time and hit a giant in the head, embed it in his forehead and drop him. Unless you've trained, that takes time. So I love that attitude that David walked into that battle with that, that grit, that moxie, that metal that said, not on my watch. But he had trained in advance to get ready for an event like this. But everything revolved around trusting in God. And that's what I loved most about that. Um, how do you see this, you know, Father Mark, when it comes to the title really of this program, really that we're focusing on is freedom from the devil in this amazing book that Father Heilman, Father Altman, Father Peckman is, have written, you know, this 40 day, taking it day by day and working on little faults, weaknesses and attacks um, maybe could you speak to uh, predominant faults? I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a term. Uh, first time my old spiritual director had brought that up about predominant faults. Um, it really opened up something for me about how to focus on the things that you're more prone to and so forth and how to really break that down. That kind of seems what this, this book uh, kind of does is it breaks down step by step, temptation by temptation. And some of us obviously are more prone to give into certain temptations over others, um, depending upon personality, upbringing, and, and your life experiences and all. But what are your thoughts, Father Mark, on the idea of dealing with predominant faults and how this book that Father Hyman and the others have written takes them piece by piece, step by step, day by day? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's vital for us to know our own weaknesses. They say only a fool doesn't want to know his weaknesses because it's, it's a battle principle. The enemy will always try to find the weakest spot in your, in your defense. Right. And if, if the devil is looking for the weakest spot in our defense, we better know before him right. what the weakest spot in our defense is. And, right. you know, a lot of people think spiritual warfare is, is you know, battling, battling a, a demon who appears like a, a fire-breathing dragon with glowing red eyes. And, I mean, that, that almost never happens. The, the, the devil appears like if, if, our, if, if my primary weakness is, is anger, the devil's going to play on that. Right. He knows that. And he, he knows, hey, if I want to, if I want to ruin this guy, it's so simple. If, if the person's, if the person's weakness is, is lust, all the devil needs to do is go after that. When you're feeling down or whatever, or if, if he knows your weakness is pride, you know, he, he'll, he'll tempt us with those things that can so easily drag us away and again we shouldn't this shouldn't make us afraid it should make us uh, hopeful because we can ask the lord to reveal to us 
what our weaknesses are. And then we can humbly confess them to the Lord. We can pray for wisdom to strengthen those things. But, but yeah, that's another thing. Like, if a person doesn't want to face the reality of his brokenness, if a person is so proud that he's blinded to the fact that he does have weaknesses, well, then he's done. They say, yeah. they say you, you don't even have a chance. Like, if you don't have self-knowledge, you can't, they, they say you can't even live the spiritual life without self-knowledge. The, 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 uh, Teresa of Avila and, and other saints, they speak about this. The, the beginning of the spiritual life is realizing who God is and who you are. <laughs> you know? If you don't know that, you're, 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 you're already given over to the enemy. You don't have a chance. And that's, you know, again, the, the book, I call it, uh, uh, it was called Intel. The other name is Reconnaissance. You know, the, you, you study what is the devil up to and primarily in us. And so what are our weaknesses in that? I want to share a quote, my favorite quote. It speaks directly to this, but I want to preface with a little story. So people have heard me say that I always wanted to be a Green Bay Packer. Notice I'm wearing the Packer sweatshirt here and uh, they're done for the season, but good for Tom Brady. Anyways, <laughs> but uh what happened was, is last year we found out that the Packers were contributing to Planned Parenthood. And we, I, I just, I, I couldn't believe it. And so I had to boycott the Packers. And uh, last year I actually boycotted it by spending time before the Blessed Sacrament. But I haven't watched all but four plays in almost two years. And, um, and it broke my heart because I grew up, I was in the Lombardi era in the 1960s. That's how old I am. But anyways, but, uh, uh, and so uh, I was going to be a Green Bay Packer. I was all state football player. And then God broke my neck and changed my course. And here I am. But anyway, so I'm, I'm boycotting the Packers. My whole house is decked with Packer uh, memorabilia. But anyways, I'm boycotting the Packers. And someone comes up to me after my last mass yesterday and says, Father, did you see the new report on who the Packers are contributing to? Not only are they not contributing to Planned Parenthood, but they're contributing to pro-life organizations and Catholic organizations. And I looked it up and he was right. And so we had done this boycott. We had, we had sent, sent our letters and everything. And the Packers saw the light and started tr contributing to, you know, good things. So I watched my first Packer game this after, uh, yesterday and they lost. I don't think I'm the jinx. I could be. But anyways, <laughs> uh, but one of my favorite quotes is from the legendary... Vince Lombardi. This is a guy who went to Mass every day. And he was going to Mass during the traditional Latin Mass, and he was serving most of those Masses. He was an altar server in his adult years uh, for the traditional Latin Mass in the 1960s. And, um, and he would go to Mass in the morning, and he'd get him ready for a Super Bowl in the afternoon. Uh, but he was just an amazing guy. Here's a quote from Vince Lombardi, and I think it speaks directly to what we're talking about today. He said this, and in truth, I've never known a man worth his salt who in the long, long run, deep down in his heart, didn't appreciate the grind, the discipline. There is something in good men that really yearns for discipline and the harsh reality of head-to-head -head combat. I don't say this because I believe in the brute nature of men or that men must be brutalized to be combative. I believe in God and I believe in human decency. But I firmly believe that any man's finest hour his greatest fulfillment of all he holds dear is that moment when he has worked his heart out in a good cause and lies exhausted on the field of battle victorious. Hmm. Father, 
Mark, that's almost exactly what you said. Yeah. I mean, it's at the of- end of the day, to be tired, right? Yeah. So, did did you say this? Uh, I think you said that before we started. Did you say it well during the show tonight? But could you could you expound on that? Yeah. No. I mean, that that's that's a beautiful quote. Uh, that, that's that's is that in your new book? That's in my uh, previous book, actually, uh, Church Militant Field Manual. Oh. Okay. I actually do a, a whole segment there on on Vince Lombardi in there. Uh, just a very inspirational man, but like I say, a daily mass goer. So, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, what uh, one of one of my inspirations? I have a lot of. I, I call them my friends in heaven, but one of them is uh, Saint Faustina, and she has a little passage where she she describes exactly what what you said. She said it was the end of the day and she was just completely exhausted and, and she was also sickly she had health issues but she just she was just such a wholehearted soul for the lord but she said she felt you know like a warrior just completely depleted at the end of the day with not an ounce of energy left and when you read this you know you you you're inspired because you know she's giving all she has right. and i think there's nothing we want more at the end of our life when we're coming before the judgment throne to be able to say i have fought a good fight right. i finished my course i kept the faith you know and you know la- laziness never feels good inside like I mean, obviously, we, we need legitimate rest. We need to recreate. A, a, a person needs to know how to chill at, at times, you know. But o- overall, especially, I think, as men, you know, I think as men, there's something about, just like the quote you shared, uh, Father Heilman, about just putting it all on the field, like just giving all we have um, that is that that causes us something to burn inside you know the 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 the, 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 the human spirit with, with with god's spirit you know so yeah I, and, and and i, I want to enter uh, i want to insert this too because yes men and men need to to lead the way in this but i gotta tell you i i i happen to be the chaplain for homeschool families and they're all open to life and i'm watching these mothers that I don't know where they get all that energy. I mean, holy cow. They are, and, and they do it with this big, bright smile on their face. They just love what they're doing. Um, and it's so inspirational. And you know, at the end of the day, they're just exhausted, but it's just a, it's a joyful exhaust, exhaustion, right, Father? When you're doing, when you're working your heart out for a good cause, exhausted on the battle, victorious. That's what yeah. Vince Lombardi said. It's just, there's a joy that you can't describe when that happens. Isn't that true? I've always said that the wealthiest people are people who found their mission in life. Like when yeah. you're describing these mothers, they're giving all they have because they know they're doing what they were created to exactly. do. Everything they do has meaning. Yes. It's fulfilling. And, and, and to, to me, when someone finds his mission in life, it there's there's a drive you know like for, for me for me as a pastor i just i love serving my people i find the more i pour myself out it's almost like the more energy i have and right. um a lot of people don't re- realize that laziness is exhausting when yep. we give ourselves over to the vice of laziness we are our, our, our spirit the, the the drive within us it's like it's depleted 
and we lose uh, our, our, our spiritual energy, our, our vitality. But when we're doing the work of God, it's like something burns inside of us. And, and yes, as human beings, we, we still do need legitimate rest, need a, a good night's sleep. Or, yeah, you got to recuperate. But, and, and the thing is, is you look at, you look at people like, say, the, the three wise men. To me, they're a great icon. Here they are going on a dangerous, long journey driven by this calling and, and, and guided by heaven, you know, and, and they're just, they won't stop until they find the treasure, our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and to me, when a man finds his God-given call, his mission, it's, yeah. it's thrilling because now you have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. You know, you have a reason to, um, to, to, to keep going. And, and, and there are some people, unfortunately, they haven't discovered that yet in their life for some reason. And, and I, I, my heart goes out to those people, you know, like, like I, 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 for people like that, I would say, listen, get on your knees and beg God, say, God, show me what you made me for. Like, show me in this little short window of life on planet earth, like what I'm supposed to do. Because when we discover our mission, mission and our calling, it just, it changes everything. Father Mark, what do you, what do you, what would you say to those who believe that they, they feel they've discovered their mission and their mission has to do with basically themselves in that my mission is to make as much money as I can. My mission is to be comfortable. My mission is to just enjoy life for me, as opposed to my mission is to somehow make a gift of myself and serve. And I know, I mean, it's a, there's, there's a major distinction within a heart to, to understand that. Um, and I, I just can't imagine standing before God and that it would go well for any of us to say, Lord, I, I fought the fight well and I, I made myself comfortable and I made myself lots of money and I made myself lots of pleasure and comfort and excess. I didn't do much for others, but I felt pretty good about myself while I was there, even though I was somewhat miserable inside because, you know, I'm not, you know, I mean, I think it goes much better to say, Lord, I, I fought the fight well and I gave of myself. You know, like Father Hallman, you mentioned about the, the homeschool mothers or I, you know, we homeschool. My, I watch my wife homeschool five kids, you know, four boys and a daughter. And I mean, I helped. Obviously, I did. I, I, I did. But uh, <laughs> sometimes we homeschool dad. You're just the principal. You didn't do anything. No, I did. <laughs> I did some stuff. I did some stuff. But my wife covered it most all the time. And I've, like you said, there's a mission oriented something there that is just beautiful and exhausting. But if, I guess, Father Mark, your thoughts on that, that difference between um, standing before God and my mission was me or my mission was finding Christ in others and serving. What do you say? How do you break that down? Well, well I mean, I think it's a universal experience, e even among non-believers. I mean, I've watched motivational videos that are not, not even Christian where the person is saying, listen, you have to make a gift of yourself in some way. Right. I mean, it, again, it's, it's a universal truth. Selfish people aren't happy. And, and, and even the pagans know that. And we as Christians should know this all the more. Like we as Christians have, have no excuse. You know, no, no greater love is there than to lay down your life uh, for your friends. He who loses his life finds it. You know, I have not come to be served, but to serve. And so... Um, again, and the, the beautiful thing is God in his mercy, and I'm convinced of this, a person who is simply pursuing his own selfish interests doesn't have deep peace. Right. They might have the passing pleasures, but so many of them, I mean, we see it like 
the, the Hollywood wealthy movie stars who have the most beautiful, whatever, girlfriends and the wealth and, and the fame, so many of them, their lives, I mean, some of them end up in suicide. So many of these people, they're, they're sad. They're, they're abusing drugs. And, 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 and it's, it's a testament. It's like how in the world, like, I don't want to name any names, but you think of some of these super rich, successful, beautiful people, and, and they're miserable. And, and, and they get into trouble. And you think to yourself, how in the world could someone like you who has everything, everything, be so miserable, be, you know, fall into that kind of a state? Um, and, and, you know, you know, in the Bible, there's a whole section called wisdom literature. There's the wisdom books. And, and you know, wisdom says the beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. <laughs> and... Uh, for a person to, to not slow down enough in their life to, to just look back and say, well, listen, what's going to make me happy? Because even a, even, even a young person typically knows that uh, things of this world don't ultimately satisfy. So I don't know if that answers your question. No, I th I, yeah, I think you're right. I think th this is the very basic point that selfish people are in the really down deep inside are not happy because there's just something that misses the point because we're not created. So I always say, just like we're created, the body's created 75-ish percent-ish. Uh, did I say that right? 75%-ish um, water. Um, so you need to be hydrated. You can go roughly three days, give or take. And if you don't have water, you're going to start really going downhill fast and you'll die within several days or so without water. You need to be hydrated. You know, we talk about, they put an IV in someone's, inject the right kind of, just minerals and, and so forth into the blood because of how necessary those, those elements of being hydrated really are. Just like the hydration for the body is the relationship with God for the soul and the need to live a life that is not of selfishness, but of selflessness is just as important as hydration for the body. And it's everybody is made for hydration. Everybody is made for this mission of the soul. And I, I just, I, I, it's, it's such a over and over example uh, that you described, you know, the wealthiest people, they've got everything. They've got everything at their fingertips, the biggest, beautiful, most beautiful houses, the nicest cars. And there's still something missing sometimes. I've seen people who are very wealthy who use their gifts for great reasons and, and to serve and, and they're at peace, but they know as many will say, you know, look, we know that you can't, that you can't take it with you. There's never a U-Haul attached to your hearse. You know, you just don't take it with you. The Egyptians tried that. We dug up their tombs later. All their stuff was still there. So we know you can't take it with you. And those people who have that kind of wealth and use it for the glory of God to build the kingdom, they do find a sense of peace because they do know that it's a tool. It's been given to them and they use it to build up the kingdom. I'll throw this out as well, if you don't mind, unless, Father, you got something you want to say? Hold yeah, on, I do. Uh, yeah. I, you know, you used the word twice while I was listening to you, peace. And, Father, you brought it up too, mm. the word peace. And, you know, we're talking about that joy uh, that, that comes. And I, I think that's where joy comes from. We're at peace. Father and Doug, there's a beautiful line. It's one of my favorite in the canon of the Mass, and it comes just before the consecration. And it says, Order our days in your peace. Mm. And I, I just, I, I pause usually right there because I like, please, God, that's all I want. I want your beautiful order. I want your beautiful peace. And, and, and how do we get that? We, by being in the will of God, by, by wanting to please him in all ways. 
know, we just had the story of Jonah and the Ninevites, right? And he went, went through the, the city in 40 days more. But prior to that, what happened? God called him to go there. And what does he do? He hops in a boat and goes the opposite direction. And, and all of a sudden, what? A storm brews up. And they're like, um, I think you're the cause of the storm here, Jonah, because you're not following the will of God, right? And so they throw him off the ship because to save their lives. And, and then the storm calms down when that happened. And of course, we know the rest of the story, a whale and three days and you know, uh, vomits him up on shore and, and all that stuff. But the point in all of that is that when he went the other direction, that's when storms brew up, okay? The storminess of our lives, the storminess of our culture right now, are we going in the right direction? Are we going in God's direction? Is God allowing the storms to occur in our culture right now? And I'm not talking about literal rainstorms, okay? I'm just talking about chaos and violence and, and just turbulence of life uh, that's going on right now. All a sign that, like Jonah, we're hopping in a boat and we're going the opposite direction. And, and <clears throat> one of the things... When I was when I was helping write the book with the other two priests, I think my favorite chapter of all of them was, um, or I should say, day. It was day twenty nine, and the word was acedia. Okay, and I've kind of looked into it before, but uh, because I really wanted to know everything about this, I loved writing about acedia. But we've been talking about laziness, and it can be laziness. But I'd like to I'd like to point out it might be more of what's called carelessness. And that's really what acedia is. And, and so a person can actually get caught up in a lot of great activity, all right? But they do that to avoid getting into God's presence, praying, going to mass, <laughs> uh, uh, doing what God wants to do. They get caught up in almost an activism, right? Because they, they have a carelessness about spiritual things and some, if they're not careful, even get into a de detestation of spiritual things. And what do they do? try to do? They try to fill their lives with everything else they can find to, 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 what? to go the opposite direction, to get on that ship and go the opposite direction to avoid God. So this acedia gets in. It's a restlessness. It's a carelessness. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's really an avoidance. Of, of what God wants us to do. So it can be laziness, but it can also manifest itself as activism in our lives. Um, Father, do you, do you want to respond to, to that? That, 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 uh, that go in the wrong direction, the storms that brew up and the way we try to avoid God? Yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's a great uh, image and, and just, just a reality. I, I think we can, we can all identify times, you know, when we're, uh, we, we get resisting god and things just by the grace of god they, they, they don't work out and that's right and i, I like disorder your, enters in you know yeah yeah and i like your mention of of acedia the the noonday demon that's uh, right <laughs> i remember reading about a benedictine monk really known for his holiness and i think he was in his 80s and he was being interviewed and the interviewer asked him he said what what's the hardest part of being a monk and he said the noonday demon Right. He said, I've been a monk for whatever him it would have been over sixty years, and he said even after sixty years of monastic life, there's a time in the afternoon where I just I, I lose my 
sense of excitement about my life, you know, and following yep. the Lord. And it just, and he says, you know, to push through that day after day, it, he says it never gets easier. And, right. and, and it's what we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, like every, every day has its challenges, its walls. I know a lot of people quote that Psalm where it says, you know, with, with you, I can, I can climb a wall or I can leap over a wall. And, and, um, uh, and yeah, that's, see, sometimes we think, oh, you know, the great battle is, is when, uh, people confront me in front of others publicly and says, and say, you know, you're, you're an awful person because you love the Lord. And we courageously stand up and defend our faith. It's like, well, no, th those aren't necessarily the great moments. The great moments are usually hidden when no one's looking where you could, you could even say where it almost doesn't even matter. We think like, what's the big deal if I, whatever, you know, spend another 20 minutes wasting time on on the internet or what's the big deal if i don't do this job well or what's the big deal if i don't you know take extra time with this person no one no one you know cares and, and those are the secret battles and going back to daviding up david was winning winning battles in secret hmm. he was taking on bears and lions yeah and no yeah and some people think oh when he when he took on goliath it's just like it was just a massive miracle. And we know, of course, the grace of God was there big time. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, he, he, he was legit. Like, he, he didn't just dress up like a, like, like a shepherd. He killed bears and lions. Mm -hmm. And, and he, he did that in secret. And like, like you were saying, Barry, he trained with his sling over and over and over and over again. Right. Because that's what shepherds do. And, and so he, in secret was training and winning battles so when he got before goliath they say for him he's got his stone he's got his target and and, and bring it on you know and and so 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 many of us we don't appreciate how important it is to put in a good day you know micah says you know you've been told oh man what is good and what the lord expects of you only to act justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with your god right and that's a that's a daily battle to, to to be just to be merciful to walk with God, um, and so yeah no it's it's you, it's know, you know Father that's a very very good point I hadn't thought of until you put it in those terms is that David in the training part this he took his job seriously he as a shepherd it wasn't even just the training it was the training for the sake of his job as a shepherd to protect the flock because he tells Saul. When he says, I'll go at Goliath, and Saul says, you can't, you're a kid. He's a warrior. And he says, no. And you're right. That's when he says, when the bears and the lions come for my flock, I go after them. I take the prey from them, and I kill them. And when they come at me, I kill them with my own hands. So it was his job, and he took his job seriously. That's a great point. And I think you're right. And I see that you know, in a relation that we can kind of maybe springboard into something. I know we'd kind of kicked around before the program here. Um, in the times that we're living in right now, where we're seeing a lot of persecution, we're seeing call it cancel culture, we're seeing all kinds of upheaval in places of the world, whether it's from, you know, the, the sickness stuff going on or, or the political stuff going on, whatever it is. And there's a lot of that kind of, you know, we refer to that scripture where that statement about God will heal our lands. But the part that comes before that is we have to turn our hearts back to God. So there has to be a conversion. And I know we talked about, you know, chastisement and our blessed mother in church approved apparitions, such as Fatima warning of World War II 
or in Akita, Japan, uh, where in 73, she talks of fire falling from the sky and bishop against bishop, cardinal against cardinal and so forth, uh, constantly telling us to pray this rosary daily um, and turn our hearts back to God. And then um, Quapa, Nicaragua, 1980, October 13th, she says, you are hastening the arrival of a third world war. And then the last one I'll mention is Kabiho in Rwanda, where in 82, she shows the apparition uh, to the children, the vision of the genocide that takes place 12 years later. And she does say in there that this message to Rwanda is not just for Rwanda, it's for the whole world. And it's kind of say, laying out that, you know, what you're seeing here, this could come to the world in some form, this type of chastisement, because of man's heart turning to darkness. So with everything going on here, Father, and both, I'd like, obviously, both of you, Father Heilman, you and I have talked a lot about these things in many episodes, and, and privately, you and I talk a lot about this. But Father Mark, your take on this as well is that our society right now, you know, that there, do you see, because I do that there is this great need for us to each individually personally own these little battles that you're talking about that seem so hidden. The battle against lust or pride or greed or envy or jealousy or, or gossip or whatever it is, all these things that weaken us spiritually, resulting in ultimately a, a culture that has turned its back on God. I mean, in America, before the whole virus problem hit and lockdowns occurred, roughly 20 to 21% of Catholics were going to Mass faithfully. Now we hear that only about 8% are going. I mean, so even before all this happened, we were in a pretty bad situation with regards to being faithful to even the very basics of attending the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass faithfully. But with regards to everything from contraception to abortion, to human trafficking, to pornography, to the drug dealing and gambling, all the addictions and problems that we're seeing, all the materialism, worldliness, all the marital problems that don't get addressed, you know, I've, I've for 30 years talked on things such as marriage and so forth. And so many men not knowing their spiritual role as the head of their homes and their families. With all of this, Father Mark, your take on the need for us to win these little battles, these daily battles, turn our hearts to God, because these chastisements that we are for, have heard prophesied, some have happened. And I believe, Father Hobbin, I believe we're in the thick of this unfolding now. Do you think this gets worse if we don't turn our hearts to God? Do you, what, what's your take and your perspective on all of this in that kind of chastisement, uh, Marian prophecy realm? Yeah, I mean, I, I really do think the world is, is experiencing a chastisement. Our Lord Jesus, he told us to read the signs of the times. And uh, we're also, you know, supposed to see in the spirit. You know, St. Paul says, what is, what is seen is, is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Um, for me, there's a lot of signs, but the, the number one indication to me that the Lord is chastising us. Remember in Revelation, the Lord says, those whom I love, I reprove and chastise. But the, to me, the number one sign that we're going through chastisement is we are being deprived of the Holy Eucharist worldwide right. Right. and at a time when we're discovering that so many catholics don't even believe right that this is jesus in the eucharist and, and to me it, it just the lord desperately wants us to receive him in the holy eucharist but if, if we're so indifferent to this great gift of his living beating heart in the holy eucharist it it he, he, he allows us to be chastised. And, and even, you know, like in the Vatican, the major feasts not being celebrated joyfully with the people, we know the heart of God delights 
when his children celebrate his feasts and all that. So to, to me, you know, we're going through a chastisement. This is the beginning of chastisement. I, I think it's going to get worse. I, I've actually been to Kibeho. I visited um, Kibeho. I spoke with one of the, the visionaries. Um, and there's a, there's a kind of a, a, a bit of a scary story. Uh, a, a, a bishop friend of mine was also in Kibeho speaking to um, the visionary. If, if my memory serves me correctly, it's, it's, is it Alphonsine who is still in Kibeho? Uh, anyways, the bishop was speaking to the visionary and she said to, to, to my bishop friend, she said, listen, you need to prepare your people because things are going to get really hard for the world. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, 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 okay. And then she said to him a second time, no, no, prepare your people. Things are about to get very difficult for the world. And he's like, oh, okay. And then a third time she insisted, she said, listen to me, prepare your people. Things are about to get really difficult. And, and this is, that's when he kind of realized, wait a minute, she's not joking, you know, or, or, or she, she's serious. And we know that in Kibeho, our lady warned the people of Rwanda that if they wouldn't get rid of the hatred in their hearts, rivers of blood would run through Rwanda. And at the time, the Hutus and the Tutsis, they hated each other. There was a lot of tension. 13 years after that prophecy, the genocide happened in a period of 100 days. Close to a million people were brutally killed. It's one of the worst genocides in the history of humanity because people weren't just killed um, kind of uh, anonymously with bombs. It was it was people killing each other, killing their neighbors and friends with machetes. It's, it's, it's a horrific genocide. Um, but Our Lady said in Rwanda that these messages were not just for the people of Rwanda. They were for the whole world because the, the world was headed towards, it was, was getting towards, walking towards an abyss because of the, the you know, the evil we were embracing. And, um, and so Kibeho is one example of, I believe, our Blessed Mother, the Lord, through our Blessed Mother, warning the world that, like St. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, we have to save ourselves from this, this you know, the, the corrupt generation. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think we as evangelists, we need to be sounding the alarm. And I, I mean, it's something that I know you've been doing in your ministry. It's something I've been doing in my ministry is to, to just plead with people to, to return to God, you know, and, and to his ways and to his commandments. And so, yeah, I think, I think the work you're doing, um, it, it, preparing people for what is to come is good. I think if we just blissfully think that everything is okay, we're, we're just deceiving ourselves because like, like it's the, our lady said in, in Fatima, we're offending the Lord. The things we're embracing, the things we're pushing, especially now with this new president in the United States, these things are a grave offense. You know, the, the taking the lives of, of, of the innocent, unborn, the, the not respecting human sexuality as it was created by God, uh, and so on. Uh, these are grave offenses against the, the God who made us and loves us. And because of his love, he's not going to let us go so far astray that we, you know, completely ruin ourselves. He's, he's sending chastisement, I believe. And I believe there's more to come. And I could talk a lot more about this, but uh, yeah, it's something that's really burning in my heart. You know, I, I, I want to uh, point out, and I've done this before, but I remember August 5th, 2019, when the um, Pew study report came out and showed that only 30% anymore believe that that's 
the real presence of our Lord, that that's God on that altar. And I was in absolute shock, Doug and Father. I, I, I just like, you got to be kidding me. We are that bad right now. Mm. And I said, I pray God that our church, that this is it. This is, this is a, a breaking point. We've got to do something. And I can't tell you how painful it was for me to watch literally nothing being done about it. I mean, if we got a pamphlet, that was about it. But I remember, too, um, uh, Bishop Barron was really struck by it at the time, and, and uh, he sounded the alarm. But then what happened was, that was August 5th, uh, that led up to the Amazon Synod. And, and we were sitting there going, wait a minute, what? You know, uh, women deacons and priests and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, come on and come all. We don't, uh, the Eucharist isn't a prize for the perfect and all this talk, you know, that went on and lead up to that. And then they bring a, a pagan idol into the center of, of, of the church. And I, I remember one was Monsignor Pope that just, he's got, he actually said, Get ready, because I can't, uh, God has done this in the past with pagan idols. Get ready for a chastisement, a plague. He actually said it. You know, he predicted it. And this was, you know, in October of last year. Well, and, I, uh, I don't know if you're aware, Father, but, and this is published. This isn't me making this up. Right. The, the um, missionary or the, the um, missions branch of the Italian Bishops Conference or something like that, they... They had a booklet at the time of the Synod, and they published a prayer to Pacamama, asking her to bless and make the land fruitful or something like that. Yeah. And I remember when I heard about that, I, I thought of my seminary studies. Yeah. And we were taught, if you ask a demon or some idol to help you, you are opening yourself up to the power of darkness, right. and will, the, the power of darkness will come in. Yeah. And destroy you. Yeah. And, and here we are removed from the Eucharist, and we have a new president of the United States on on inauguration day invited into a Catholic church to receive Holy Communion, as he advocates for the slaughter of innocents up to one minute prior to birth. Uh, you, I mean, you can't imagine how horrified God is right now. And these are the leaders of our church advocating that it's just fine. And they'll say it's not a prize for the perfect. Oh, I want to vomit. But but they, they what are they saying, though? See, this is what I, I actually preached about this morning. I said, if there's levels of hell, there's got to be the deepest level of hell. For someone who would teach, literally teach Catholics, that you can... You can be immersed in the worst sins you 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 that are are your just your your favorite sins that you want. You can be immersed in all those and come and get holy communion. It doesn't matter, and that that that's the message that went out on such a high optical level as cardinals and bishops and presidents. Do you, you see him saying? Yeah, what frustrates me, Father, is. The things I was taught in the seminary, in some cases, aren't being demonstrated or aren't being followed by church leaders. Exactly. Like I was taught, you, you, you don't give Holy Communion to someone who's in, in public grave sin, who's, right. who's causing scandal. Now, 
of course, if the person repents, and if it's a public, he needs to publicly repent, then of course. Let's the, have a party if they repent. You know, they're home. That's the prodigal yeah. son, you know? Yeah. But when again, when things are being done that I was taught in the seminary, and just, just a run-of-the-mill seminary, I didn't go to some super whatever hyper-conservative, or it was just run-of-the-mill seminary. We were taught in, in our Catholic churches, you don't bring in other things from other religions, especially idols. You're, you know, we don't kind of start throwing stones at people. We're kind to people. But we were taught about how the a Catholic mm. church is to be, you know, right. treated. Um, and and then, what has God revealed throughout uh, sacred history, you know, about paganism, about idols? He usually brought a plague after, after it got that bad. You know, well, yeah. and, and I let me chime in here on this. It, it, on July 13th, 1917, in Fatima, when the Blessed Mother shows the three children the vision of hell, there's only a couple of things that she mentions that day. And there are actually only there's actually only one thing that she prophesies will happen, and one thing that she warns us will come. After she shows them the vision of hell, and I know a lot of our of our listeners and followers, you know, are familiar with this, but let's really key on this base at this point here of our conversation. She says, this is the place where poor sinners go. Have nobody to pray for them, make sacrifices. Then she goes on to say, this war will end soon. Now, this is World War I, 1917. It ends the following year, 1918. But if man does not stop offending God, and that's the hinge right there, there will be a second war, and it will be much worse than this one. Now, the death toll by the end of World War I was in the area of 22, 25 million. 50, 60% were civilians. The death toll by the end of World War II was between estimated 65 to 70 million. Again, 50 to 60 percent civilians. She warns it. It happens. And then she says, if, if Russia is not consecrated to my immaculate heart, she will spread the error of her ways. 1917, the Bolshevik Revolution, the war breaks out in Russia. Within three years, communism. And here we are right now. Now, we can put all this together. And I still say to people, look, just like the Philistines and Goliath did not anticipate David, they didn't look for this. They didn't see this shepherd boy rising up and boom, becomes a king after he takes out their, their mighty nine foot nine inch tall warrior. We have to be the Davids. We have to at least pray to God, trust God, train up, be ready, body, mind, soul, however he puts us in these battles. You two gentlemen, I admire tremendously. As I follow your work, Father, you and I working together, Father Heilman and Father Mark, I've been following your stuff for years now. Your, 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 your messages through your videos are fantastic. And I see great spiritual leadership from men like you. This is not flattery, but in these times, it is so critically important. Now, there are more priests we know are crying out more and more. There are some uh, homilies are popping up, just a few here and there, where you hear them almost at the pulpit saying, like the one Father Hamlin you and I were talking about earlier today, he ends the homily by saying, I may get a letter on this, but I don't care anymore. Yeah. I just don't care. And he I walks away. He walks away. You know, and I, we've got to reach that point. And as a husband and father, I have to be unequivocally clear to my children and my wife, my grandchildren, and anybody else God brings in my path that as a, as a layman, I have to stand my ground peacefully yes but also be ready to take whatever god may allow to come to my door and be as faithful to god as i possibly can and that's only going to happen if i'm a prayerful sacrament receiving god-fearing god-loving man so i got to say to husbands and fathers and all men out there it is time to david up 
We've got to be praying to God, trusting God, but training in whatever skills. Maybe it's debate. Maybe it's conversation. Maybe it's your legal uh, scenario that you're in. Maybe you're a, a bookkeeper, an accountant, a businessman, whatever it may be. Be a God-fearing, God-loving, faithful man, woman out there who's ready to David up or Joan up. You know, Father Hamlin, we've had people in the comment section say, what about Joan up? Yes, Joan okay. up as well. <laughs> okay. But it's, it's just that God brings a Joan of Arc. God brings a David out of the nowhere, so to speak, and puts them into the situation and proves that God is the one in charge of these things, but he works through ordinary people. And so as much as we're talking about the gravity of the seriousness of the chastisements, which we need to, I just want to encourage, and I'd love to get your take, Father Mark and Father Heilman, on what we say to the people out there, look, we know we're in the thick of this. And I think we all agree at what you said, Father Mark, is that these chastisements seem to be unfolding before us. You go back to Pachamama. And Father Hyman, you and I have addressed this, the fact that it was right about that time in October that Sister Agnes Sasagawa allegedly receives the message to put on ash and pray a rosary of, of repentance. Why does she receive that message? The same sister who receives the Akita message in 73, right when the Pachamama stuff begins right when the whole virus thing starts to unfold from China. All of this timing is just, I think, beyond coincidental. It's godcidental, you know, as they say. And I just see this continuing to roll. And now we're hearing that a more extraneous stain, a strain, a more dangerous strain from the UK and now from South Africa. Now there's lockdowns again being threatened. And, and all of this and the vaccine isn't working. And in the UK, they're saying you can take the vaccine, but you got to still end up. All this stuff and people are scratching their heads and the, the suicide rate is up. The desperation's up, Father Mark. And no one's crying out to God. Like right. your example of the UK, right. the UK is being hit hard. They're putting all of their hope in the job. Yeah. And not only that, they're, they're the ones producing the AstraZeneca. That one derives from, from fetal, fetal tissues. That, that, that's, that's abortion tainted. The UK, which has Christian roots, I mean, England, their official religion is Anglicanism. They're still not willing to cry out to God. Like, they'll, like, they're, they're too embarrassed to humble themselves. What, what does it say in Chronicles? If my people who are called by my name humble themselves mm, yep. and pray yep. and turn away from their, uh, seek my face and turn away from other sins. Then I will hear them from heaven and I will hear the, uh, forgive their sins and, and heal their land. Yeah, it's right. like, how bad does it have to get right. for us to actually say, you know what? Uh, maybe we should pray to God, you know, like, do you, do, do, do you hear the queen of England urging the people of England to please pray to God, repentance, ask him to help. Do you hear the, 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 the prime minister, the leaders like, why are they not crying out to God? Because we're embarrassed. Right. We don't believe in God. We're agnostic. We're, right. we're, you know, atheists. We, we're, we're embarrassed about God. And the thing too is, you know, the example of Jonah, I mean, the people on the boat, they told Jonah, pray to your God. And people say, oh, we can't cry out to God because we're a secular nation with different religions. Who cares? When things are tough, you cry out to your God. Exactly. <laughs> no. exactly. we don't, don't say, oh, I'm not willing to cry out to my God because I might offend you. No, we're in a tough situation. Yeah. Cry out to God. But, but again, see, that's a testament to how far we are from God. We're too embarrassed yeah. to, to ask God for help. We're putting all of our trust in a jab, in the pharmaceutical companies. Right. And my question is, do you think the jab is going to fix everything? 
Because I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I hope it does. I mean, I hope the I hope the vaccine fixes everything, but I don't think it will. I think we need to cry out to God. No, we need a spiritual vaccine. Listen, uh, we're uh, we've gone a long time here, and this has been amazing, Father. I want to end with a quote from. Father Bill Peckman, I, I came across this again this morning, and I actually shared it at my homily, but uh, this is him writing in the first day of this uh, Let Freedom Ring. He ends with this. He says, faith will lead us to a place where we can stand out against the rising tide and fight against the diabolical. Dead men float downstream. Weak men are pushed downstream. But strong men can walk against the current and move forward. Faith is the powertrain to give us such abilities. And I'm really excited about this book coming out, but also that we're going to be doing this together for 40 days, starting Ash Wednesday to Palm Sunday. And uh, and so uh, Let Freedom Ring, I'll put, uh, I'm going to have a um, link to romancatholicgear.com where you can get it. I think it's not quite yet available at Amazon, but it will be in a few days. But um, Father Mark, this was one of our best shows ever. This was awesome. And you are incredible. And you're doing such great work for the church. And uh, I I feel stronger for having spent this time with you. And I I pray everybody else who uh, joined us for this podcast does too. And may God truly bless, continue to bless you in your ministry. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you, Father. Right, Doug? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one of the things that I, I, I saw something on social media today, and I just think it makes the point. It takes sometimes one person to have the courage to speak boldly and courageously, and many, many more are inspired to do the same. Yeah. It's just, and it's such a human thing exactly. that God has given us, one person. So, you know, yeah. Father Mark, you've been that, you know, in, for many people. And so God bless you. Thanks for being on the show. We hope you'll come back and be with us again in the future. Could you give us a little prayer blessing to end our time here, Father? Sure. Sure. Thank you. I really enjoyed being with you. And you you really inspired me as well. So thank you. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Heavenly Father, pour out your wonderful grace upon all your sons and daughters. Now come with the full power of your spirit. Lord, set our hearts on fire with love for you. Let this fire uh, spread, Lord, throughout the whole world. Help us to always look towards you, Lord. Make us radiant, Lord, as we worship you, as we love you, as we seek you. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank Father. Thanks so much, Father. Thank you. God bless you.